I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Our guest today is Jefferson Parish District 5 Council Member Jennifer Van Franken, who represents Metairie, Old Metairie, Fat City, and Bucktown. She's the parish's former chief operating officer. Van Franken is here to talk about ongoing efforts to revitalize Fat City, and specifically, a recent request from the parish and its economic development partners for creative ideas to develop several public-private owned land parcels in the neighborhood. More than a dozen developers responded. Councilmember Van Franken, thanks for being on the podcast. I am delighted to be here. All right, so for the uninitiated, what is Fat City? How did it become Fat City? So Fat City is a small portion of downtown Metairie. Um, it's Severn is one of its borders. It goes all the way across to Division. It's West Esplanade to Veterans. So it's really just a few blocks in the heart of Metairie, right near Lakeside Shopping Center. That's most people's point of reference. Right. Um, how Fat City became <laughs> Fat City. Now, look, I'm not old enough to have been there at the start of Fat <laughs> City um, or experiencing the, the uh, nightclub activity that was there at the start. But Fat City came to be when Jefferson was growing. And, and so all of those um, new young people and new young families moving into Jefferson Parish at the time decided rather than going down to Bourbon Street, rather than you know trekking down the French Quarter, they thought, what if we had a place for entertainment closer to home in Jefferson? How convenient and great would that be? So that was the motivation behind Fat City originally. And for a time, I understand from others who experienced it, <laughs> It was the place to be, um, and then, but it was sort of a flash in the pan. You know, it was there um, in its heyday for a few years, but then um, quickly did not become the new French Quarter. Um, and then it, you know, it left us with a an area that um, needed a different focus and a different uh, future. And we are still in that pattern of figuring out, you know, what is the the best future Fat City? It's a great location. And it has so many uh, good bones about it. So it's it's one of my favorite things that we get to work on. Um, and it, it's part of what we, uh, you know, we've been focused on in District 5. So what are the strengths of that neighborhood and where are there areas for improvements? To me, the strength is the location by far. You are right in the heart of Metairie. You're a few blocks from the lakefront. Uh, you're right there next to Lakeside Shopping Center, which is one of the busiest malls in the country and really one that's bucked the trends. You know, it's still um, vibrant and uh, the, the file organization keeps it current. So the location of Fat City is fabulous. Um, the other thing that we we really learned recently through one of the, the um, explorations that we've done in revitalization, we brought some folks in who aren't in Fat City all the time. And you know how sometimes you see things with fresh eyes when you're new to the area, whereas you know we might take it for granted because we see it a hundred times a day. One of the things they really noticed was the wealth of um, different ethnic cuisines. Um, and you know we love to eat. I mean, that's all of our favorite pastime. So within a few blocks, they're like, you are kidding me. This is so amazing. Huh that you have all this authentic cuisine. As we walked along, 
we passed Drago's, of course, and, um, you know, best seafood around. And of course, they're, uh, the Satanovic family uh, is Croatian. That's their heritage. Um, Los Efes, uh, Oscar, who uh, started Los Efes a few years ago, um, has just grown it into this vibrant, amazing uh, Mexican restaurant. Um, you've got sushi, you've got all kinds of different authentic, really amazing food in Fat City. So that's one of the strengths I think we became aware of more recently. Um, and I think that's something to grow on because New Orleans loves food. We're all passionate about it. And you want things that are authentic experiences, you know, that are not chain restaurants, although some chain restaurants are great, but these authentic kind of eateries, um, that's part of what is really a hidden treasure, I think, in Fat City um, that, that people are going to discover even more in the, you know, in, in the coming years. Um, murals, we have a mural program that I think's added really um, some cool color to Fat City, and we're looking forward to continuing that. Um, so that's some of the strengths to me uh, that Fat City has, and, and it's just so well situated. Some of the challenges, I think anybody who's tried to park in Fat City, mm. there's not a lot of parking. <laughs> you know, the way Fat City developed, um, there's no like parking garage. Uh, there's a limited amount of, um, of parking available. So it, that can be a challenge. And of course, that's something businesses need to thrive. So that's been one of the things we have focused on. How do we add more parking? Um, one of the things we did, and we haven't pulled the trigger on this yet, but we did a study of where can we add on-street parking? Because if you've been around La Madeleine, um, right you know, on the street, there used to have two lanes of traffic that would run um, past that, like if you're going toward Drago's. We took one lane out of Commerce and made it a parking lane, and that parking has been used since the second we did it. Yeah, I bet. So that's the concept, that we're gonna take um, every street in Fat City, potentially make them one-way streets, so that you can make on-street parking spots. And so that, we have it all mapped out and we're ready to roll with it, but because we have major renovation and construction going on at Severn right now, we didn't wanna do the new one-way streets and construction on Severn at the same time because we thought that would just be a little too much for people to navigate right now. So as soon as Severn finishes, uh, then we'll pull the trigger on adding those one-way streets and the on-street parking, which should help add a bunch of spots in the immediate Fat City area and, and give all those restaurants and great you know, businesses uh, some additional places for people to park. Understood. So cha uh, challenges, uh, parking, uh, what, what else you got? <laughs> what else Walk, walkability. Walkability is one of the things, you know, you always see a lot of people walking through Fat City, um, but it has really long blocks. Okay. So, you know, it would be great if we had some cut throughs that, that made it, you know, a little more walker pedestrian friendly. But we have started to um, try and make it a better landscape for people who are pedestrians and walking. So we added on 17th, 18th, and 19th, um, just two years ago, we added what we called streetscapes. And so we added some benches, some bike racks, some garbage cans, um, put some plants in, you know, some new decorative lighting, just making it a more pleasant place for people to walk along and, and take a seat and, you know, take in the atmosphere. So trying to be more pedestrian oriented. Um, as Severn, as this major drainage project uh, is underway, the primary purpose is to rip up Severn, put a huge drain line underneath, improve the drainage, and then put the roadway back. But one of the lanyap um, elements of that project, we're going to have a protected bike lane that oh, will, you know, like from the lakefront area, 
into uh, onto Severn and then turn into Fat City. So trying to add some features for pedestrians and biking um, that are things we haven't had before in Jefferson and, and that we're really excited about because I think they're going to be well used. If you can come off the lakefront, you know, where you're on your bike and you can get anywhere all the way from Kenner, you know, to through New Orleans along the right lakefront and you can take your bike and then, you know, come into the area on a protected bike lane and, and you know, get uh, get to some of the great places in Fat City. We think that's going to be a new amenity. I got you. So right now is the neighborhood just a, a mix of retail, uh, commercial stuff. There is there is uh, there's plenty of residential still. Is there any industrial stuff and things like that? What, what how how varied is the zoning in there? So there's some um, there's there's a little bit of everything. I, I don't know how industrial. Um, I mean, it's not like the Elmwood area, but we do have like Oracle Lighting is there and, and they've been great. And so Oracle has really, you know, been very successful. So there is some of that in the area. Uh, Marshan Cabinets um, was in the area. Now they're, you know, they've, they've been in um, transition, one of those businesses that was there for a long time. So um, we're seeing uh, different new businesses come in. Um, we've seen a lot of renovation. And that was part of what we um, hoped to spark because we did a grant program where you could be eligible for up to $50,000 grants. Um, and that helped improve the facade of your business. So we saw all kinds of businesses take advantage of that. They applied for the grants. And so when you see a fresh face on a building like Drago's, it went from that old uh, brick building that was the original structure to now this nice modern you know, stucco um, that was part of the grant program. So you're also seeing even the ones that have been there a long time have a fresh face. Uh, the most recent one that just did that program is Cheers Bar. Cheers is a great little you know, yeah. neighborhood bar. It's been there a long time and um, now it has a fresh face. So you've got, you know, you've got obviously a lot of restaurants, a lot of those kinds of things, but we've also seen um, some healthcare uh, and and healthy living, I should say, things like Kronos. Kronos oh, is yeah, a yeah. spa, a gym. It's awesome. And again, that was an old building that they transformed into this really sleek, modern place. So um, if you need, this is not a personal comment, but if you need a little Botox or you need a little, you know, <laughs> a little touch up. Um, Kronos has that. They have a great gym, all kinds of, you know, spa-like services. What was so, that building before? Uh, you know, I don't remember what the building was before. I just remember seeing the images um, that were really kind of plain and nondescript. And right. Kronos came in and, man, just knocked it out of the park and making it a really sleek, modern space. So, um, you know, that's the kinds of things we want to see. So you've got a little bit of everything in that area. Um, you've got grocery stores, Bromart, and you know, all kinds of retail, clothing shops, a little bit of everything that you need in Fat City, which again, I think is one of the strengths. You know, you can walk a few blocks and you've got Bromart, you've got some great shoe stores, um, both new shoe, I have a little preference on, on the shoe stores. You know, you've got new new uh, places like Fleet Feet. Yeah. They're a new tennis shoe place um, running, you know, equipment. And then you've got uh, others that have been there for quite some time now, um, like New Orleans Shoe Company. And, and so we've got a diversity of things that are so close and convenient. I think, again, that's one of our strengths. What, what's, what are the thoughts about the residential side of things? Uh, I know that with just looking back over the history of, of these conversations, there was worried about some, there was some um, complexes that might, might not be in the best state of repair and all that kind of stuff. What, what thought goes into that and then what sensitivity is there about making sure you're not 
you know, gentrifying or doing things that are, you know, that have negative consequences. Like, how does this conversation go? <laughs> yeah. So the housing is definitely one that is a challenge and is one that we talk about frequently. The last conversation I had on this was just last week and we were trying to figure out, are there things that we can do to effectively incentivize change? Because some of the properties in Fat City, the residential properties are older and um, have seen better days. And so we're trying to figure out, is there a way that we can help um, incentivize the, the people who own those properties to invest in modernizing them. So that's an ongoing conversation that we have. We do have some things in Fat City that are eligible in that area. So I'll give you an example, tax abatement. Um, you can, if you are going to improve your property, and let's say you're going to you know, put a lot of money into renovating one of those residential properties, we have the ability in Fat City to freeze your taxes at the unimproved rate, so what you're paying now. And then we give you five to 10 years where you would not pay on the improved value of the property. So that's, you know, that's for a decade where you wouldn't be taxed on the improvement that you make, but you can put that money into to making something modern and fresh and attractive. And we would give you the, you know, the, um, that tax break so that we appreciate what you're doing and give you a break on the taxes over that that period of a decade. That's so that's one of the tools that we have that we hope might spark a change in some of the housing. Understood. So I know that this conversation has been happening for more than a decade and there's been, you mentioned some of the things already, you know, streetscapes and murals, but over these last 10 years, as people have been putting their focus on this, what would you say are the most consequential things that have happened? I know my predecessor, um, Cynthia Lee Shang, when she was in this District 5 seat, she had uh, concerns about crime in the area. And at the time, the crime rates in Fat City um, were problematic. There was a lot of activity, particularly in the late night and overnight hours, uh, that was concerning. So she really, um, you know, moved to curb some of that activity. There were some problem locations and some problem businesses and, and she really um, you know, went out on a limb to address some of those things. So you saw some of the establishments that were longtime Fat City establishments like Girls, 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 you know, things like that, that um, tended to be some of the source of the problems. Um, and you know, so those things went away. Um, and so that was probably one of the more significant, it was really controversial at the time. And, and I was not part of uh, Jefferson government at that time, but, but I understand it was a big change. And, um, I will say that I think long-term it had that effect because if you ask about crime in fat city, uh, today, it is largely, um, not problematic. I mean, you have a rare occurrence here and there, which, you know, may be surprising because the overall crime rate in fat city is really low. So that was one of the really significant things. Some drainage improvements that we've made, uh, Edenborn was a major drainage project we did just a few years ago, right around the time Los Efes was opening, because okay. uh, I know we were working with them uh, while they were, you know, we're in construction. Um, so drainage improvements have been big, sidewalk uh, improvements and lighting, um, those things have been big. And uh, the facade grant program, as we said, because that gave people money to put back into their property to change the facade and make it a modern uh, storefront and also help with ADA compliance. Um, so those things I think have been significant. Some of what we're working on, we've started to um, purchase pieces of property because one of the, the things missing from Fat City, there's no place to meet. 
And so if you wanted to have a meeting, you know, of, of business owners, um, there is not a meeting space uh, in that vicinity. And there's no library, there's no um, green space, there's no public gathering space. So we've actually started investing in some of those properties and do know that part of what we need to work on is bringing together um, some meeting spaces, places where people can gather, and also some green space. You know, to, there, there are a lot of families in the area and to not have any kind of gathering places or green space, um, recreation activities, you know, that's, that's missing. And I think that's gonna be an important part of what we continue to work on um, for the future of Fat City. And then parking, as we mentioned, that you know that that one's a challenge. And I think it's going to take not just that on-street parking, but ultimately building maybe a parking deck um, or something into some of the development for the future, so that um, we really can address that parking problem. It seems like the, the most available space that I can picture in that neighborhood is the Lakeside Mall parking lot. Is there ever talk about adding more um, multi-level parking over there, or is that? You know, we've we've not had that uh, conversation. The the file organization that runs Lakeside, they are tremendously supportive, and and we're so appreciative that they keep the mall vibrant. Um, and they've been active in the discussions about beautifying Severn and and the new drainage. Um, they've been very active in talking about uh, Fat City and revitalizing Fat City. So we haven't had that specific conversation about whether you know there would be some idea of, of expanded parking uh, at the mall. I think we've envisioned adding the parking somewhere in Fat City so that if you're going to a restaurant there, you know, you'd be able to to be able to pull up, find a convenient parking spot and be able to go to one of the businesses in Fat City. Understood. So that, that parking thought and the green space thought and the meeting space thought, is that generally what led to this request for ideas from developers? And is that what you guys are talking about? We have been planning. Yes, we've been planning um, to bring a space to life that we um, knew would have some of the, the things I just mentioned, you know, some meeting rooms, some um, computer technology, some green space. And then we thought, you know, that's what we can do as a government on our own. You know, we can build a library, we can build a green space, a recreational space, we can do those things and we can do them well. I mean, we're really proud of those things in Jefferson. But we wondered, is there something that the private sector could partner with us to do that would be bigger and maybe more catalytic than we can do on our own. So that's what really led to this RFI. The RFI is a request for information and ideas. You know, so you're inviting people to, to, to look at the space and say what they would do or what they can envision uh, that, that might be greater than what government can do alone. And so it's really exploring that public-private partnership to bring something to life that might be a, a, a better um, end result than if we just just did you know that those things on our own, that's what led to the RFI. Well, can you share anything about the process at this point? What what kinds of responses, the amount of responses, and what the next step might be? So we were really excited. We had about um, thirteen people who said, "Sign me up. I want to know the information. I want to hear what the idea uh, is, and and want it to be part of the process." So we were delighted, you know, that that those expressed interest. Um, Ultimately, at the end of the RFI, people have an opportunity to, to submit something official to say, okay, this is my packet, this is my uh, plan of what I'd like to see come to life. We didn't have formal submissions. And what we did after the fact was we actually reached out to each of those 13 and had um, kind of an offline conversation to say, okay, tell me more about 
what were the things you were interested in? What were the, you know, the things you saw real potential in for Fat City? Are there things that made you shy away from making a formal uh, submission? Um, and so it was a really great conversation with those 13 different entities. Some of them said, well, I didn't want to put all my ideas out there publicly because if this is going to go to a process where we're competing and we're scored, then I didn't want somebody to, to grab my ideas. You know, so some of it was just sort of wanting to keep those ideas under wraps, um, which I understand. Others said, you know, we still had some questions about, let's say, things like parking or what kind of incentives would the parish be able to offer to someone coming in? Was there going to be financial assistance in some way um, or lease payments? You know, if they built a building um, that had all these different elements in it, uh, would we be leasing some of that space? So, you know, as they try to make the numbers work, some of those elements um, we realize are, are things that we might need to provide greater detail on greater specifics. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the whole process, I think, was really interesting for us, for sure, and gave us really great information to take whatever the next step will be. It may be that we go to a formal RFP process and say, okay, this is when we want you to, to put the ideas on paper, submit them, we're going to score them, and, and hope to have a partner to build something together or develop something together. So that's one possible route. The other would be, you know, to take what we've learned and to take the information we've just heard from people who have an interest and excitement about the area, but, but are we there yet? You know, if what we distill from this process is maybe we need to do a little more work on our own, maybe we need to make it more pedestrian friendly and build some of that parking and, you know, do some of the things that are missing now to tee it up to be ripe for the development in the future. And so that at this moment is where we are um, in my mind. You know, we have to take the, the information that we've just gotten from the RFI and decide, are we there yet? Are we ready to, to pursue the public-private partnership at, at this moment? Or do we have some legwork to do where we may have to push the ball a little bit further um, on our own and then be in a better position to partner in the future? And really, Fat City has, has largely been all of these different little efforts being pushed by the government and, and Jefferson Parish and trying to push Fat City to a point where that catalytic change occurs. So right now we're trying to gauge, are we there um, to go after that RFP or do we need to do a few more things on our own um, to make it right for those things to happen? Understood. And do you have a sense for how much of an investment someone is going to have to make to make a project like this work? I assume there's a range. It, it depends on what they want to do, you know, and that's um, so one of the things that we think would be helpful, for example, if they're envisioning um, something that uh, that is a mix of things, it might have an, uh, an element of some new housing, it might have like a food court area, you know, downstairs, we've th seen things like Pythian Market and, and others that have that concept that would tie in, again, with the with the strength of all the, the eateries and, and, and offerings that we have in Fat City. Um, if you're building that structure, then if we have some of the technology that we can bring to life um, in a library, and we don't mean like a, a traditional, you know, where you're blowing the dust off the books in the library, we really mean an e-library, something that's high tech, you know, where you'll have free fast Wi-Fi and you'll have computer access and you'll have meeting spaces, especially now after COVID, you know, you might need to get out of the house for a second and get away from the kids and you want yeah. a hot desk space to use. So, um, 
So for example, you know, if someone is going to develop part of what we can bring to the table is that we're going to build that technology. You know, we are going to have those things available as amenities for whoever's coming through that building and through that space. So I don't know how you quantify what the value of that is. Um, obviously, you know, whatever the cost of the construction is and the technology, but that might be something that we need to be more specific about with developers to say, we're bringing all of that to the table you will have the ability to use all of those amenities that we're going to bring to life on our dime. And so I think some of those conversations um, will be those next steps with the people that express interest to once they know that, then do they feel like it's more, more ripe for development at this moment? So I think we have some good conversations and some good leads um, to have to see if that is the information that they really need and need to be reassured that, that this is a spot they want to develop. Do you think there will be lessons to be learned from what's happening at Clearview? Clearview is a really exciting uh, development as well. You know, I think um, I, I think sure we're we're all learning this process of uh, how do you make spaces that have existed for you know roughly five decades um, into new modern walkable um, facilities. I think Clearview has a great vision of transforming what is really an interior mall into something that, you know, they're blowing out some of the walls, you'll be able to walk. Um, they're adding in amenities that I think are that live, work, play lifestyle that, that people want. Um, so I, I do think we're gonna see uh, Clearview Center transforming and we'll be able to, you know, to see that happening in front of us. Um, hopefully, again, we'll be able to do similar in Fat City. And, and we'll probably be, because they're already starting that transformation. So we'll be at a lag from what we're seeing at Clearview. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely look to see if there are things we can learn from that process and, um, and, and bring to life elsewhere. Understood. Okay, so I'm running out of time. I'm going to ask you uh, three short questions, if that's okay. Sure. All right. First, um, has anyone at any point in this conversation, has anyone talked about rebranding and changing the name of the neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> so actually, we talk about that all the time. Michael Hecht of GNO Inc. He's like, no, I love Fat City. He's uh, like, the fat is back. That's his <laughs> saying. His favorite saying is the fat is back. Okay. Um, what we found is, yeah, we've certainly talked about, do we need a different name? But I will tell you, every time I'm talking to someone who's not familiar with the area and I say Fat City, their eyes light up. They're like, well, what is that? Where's that? Exactly. So I think in some ways the name attracts and piques their interest. So I think it's here to stay. Okay. So that, yeah. So it, yes, it's been talked about. And the answer, it's been shot down. <laughs> I'm just wondering, because, you know, it's, it's got such a kind of a funny, like, Vegas-y, old school vibe to it. It does. We thought uh, about even changing it to like PHAT, you know? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, second question. Uh, Lakeside, like you said, has bucked the trend. And, you know, think of how many dead malls there are across the whole country for a million reasons. And this is before the pandemic. And then the pandemic's come along and it's changed the way people think about uh, commercial real estate in general, office space and retail space. Is there any concern that that the that the fate of Lakeside Mall is shaky and that might affect what happens around it. No, I think Lakeside is is really strong and uh, the file organization has 
continued to put money in it. Um, they have renovated that space. You see all those new marble columns and the beautiful interior, new fountains, new amenities. And they keep changing the, the vendors too, the stores. They keep modern um, and fresh in the things that they're attracting. So I think they are gonna continue to be successful. We will be there to assist and support in any way we can because we want to see them continue to be successful. But, but I think they're doing all the right things. Um, and I think we are still very much a community that wants to go in. You want to know the salesperson to touch and feel the stuff. And, um, while you order some things, you know, I think there's still a real, um, desire for people to, to shop locally and be supportive. Yeah. And it does seem like no matter what time of day, what month and what stage of the pandemic, if you drive over that overpass, the lakeside parking lot is always cram. It's, it's a good thing. <laughs> it is. It's, 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 it's an anomaly. Um, okay, and uh, one request though, as you guys are doing all your Fat City planning, um, just as a personal request, can you bring back Crazy Johnny's Steakhouse? Because when I moved here in like the early 90s, I married a, a, a New Orleans person, uh, uh, we would go to Crazy Johnny's and get like the $6 steak. And that was like, that was the go-to uh, favorite thing to do in Fat City for years, so I miss it. <laughs> so my grandfather, my papa, lived with us, um, you know, most of my young childhood, and that was one of his favorites. So Crazy Johnny and the steak is legendary. Um, I will put in the request. I don't know who might pick up on that idea, uh, but but certainly it's one I think uh, people would love to see come back. We're gonna have to work on that. Maybe we can build out like a little Crazy Johnny's and whatever we build. Yes, you know, and, and offer. Uh, offer something like that. I don't think it'll be a $6 steak anymore, but you know, <laughs> but anyway, that was just such a fun thing to go and you get the little potatoes. Um, and if I could, I want to ask you the same question I ask everybody when I sign off uh, throughout this whole pandemic year, which is thinking about everything that our community has been through uh, and then what's ahead. What makes you worried still and what makes you feel optimistic? Um, you worry about the unknown. You know, this wasn't something that was on our radar before March of last year. And so we have uh, our business community, all of, and Jefferson's really built on small business. You know, we're not mega corporations. So I worry that um, people are going to have a hard time struggling to get out of, of the experience we all had last year. And um, so many were shut down or at limited capacities. And so I worry about people who have put their life savings into a business and try to, to grow it either as a new business or over generations. I want to see them successful. So my biggest worry is just for the future of our small businesses and, and family owned businesses um, that make us what we are. And so I, I, you know, I want to see them successful. Um, what gives me hope is we are resilient. You know, uh, I don't think there's anywhere else in the country that's more resilient than us. And it probably comes from growing up with hurricanes. Um, and so, and we're a little crazy and we admit it, you know, so we're willing to stick it out in a place that has hurricanes because we have great food and other things. So what gives me hope is the people, you know, and, and the, the resilience that we have, the, the stubbornness that we have to make something work. That's what gives me hope because I know there are so many folks out there who are just determined uh, to get back to the life we knew and make their businesses successful. And again, we'll be there to, to try and help every step of the way. Well, council member, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks for um, just having an interest in Fat City and, and bringing that to so many people. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. 
If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.